This is Not Your Average Bucket List by Only In Your State, a podcast about exploring the hidden gems right in your own backyard. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Not Your Average Bucket List by Only In Your State. We're in the thick of our local lore and legend season. Today we are talking about the best urban legends to come from Utah. I'm here with Sarah, the co-host of the show. Hello, Sarah. Hey, Marissa. I know that you've been pumped to talk about Utah all season yes. long. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to share a little bit why you're very excited about this state? Uh, well, there's just something about it. And similar to Nevada, where there's just so much space and humans can't cover it all. There's something about out west. You know, like every... Um, and there is certain lore in particular from Utah I'm really excited to talk about. But I feel like you have different flavors of this stuff from East Coast to West Coast. So West Virginia, Maine, Ohio, even Georgia, like there's there's woods and you don't know what's hiding there. And people are having all these really crazy experiences. And, and it's almost surprising of just how much is in this small area. And then you get to like Nevada and Utah and it's one of these you're absolutely alone if you're driving across the state no one's there to help you mm. and it's just one of those it's like a different kind of fear which is creepy to me yeah i think i agree wholeheartedly because there's something very terrifying about having just an open expanse of land that okay maybe in the daytime it's beautiful but come nighttime let's say you're out there camping and it's just you know yeah. arid desert you don't know what the heck. You can barely see your hand in front of your face, you know. And also the people. Like, if I am mm. parked and I'm, like, getting ready to, like, set up my RV and I'm hooking up and I see a flashlight in the distance, mm. nope, locking yeah. the doors, we're going, no, it's somewhere else. <laughs> yes. It's not for me. <laughs> yeah. I There have been plenty of times when I've been camping in the middle of nowhere and because it was I was mostly boondocking where I wasn't hooked up to anything and – you know, it the silence mm-hmm. of just being out there where you, you step outside, you don't hear a thing. You can barely see what's around you. Granted, it's beautiful because you have the starlight and, you know, that's, there's something very oddly reassuring about solitude. But if late at night people find that same boondocking spot and you hear mm-hmm. like the crunch of tires and the gravel coming, uh, yeah. there no, that's Do you stay scary. or do you leave? Like, would you get out. I would stay. I would stay, but I would just be very cognizant of my surroundings. If somebody was pulling into that spot late at night, I would always just like kind of watch them set up just to see what it was. Yeah. You're you're brave. I, I have the same irrational anger and fear that I get if I'm like taking my dog for a walk at night and someone has the gall to be on the same street as me. (laughs) Like I know that doesn't make sense. It's everyone's, we're all sharing but it's one of those things where I hear footsteps behind me or in front of me. I don't like this. I'm so angry that <laughs> they mm. just happen to be out. And I think that that comes from a place of fear, obviously. It's not because I just want the world to myself. But I don't like feeling afraid. So, yeah, being out in the middle of nowhere camping or, you know, doing an RV or something like that. And you see a flashlight, hear the crunch of, you know, tires. And I don't think it's a big bad or a scary I think it's a human and I want to get out of there <laughs> yeah no yeah I also have a, a I just don't like people walking behind me in general I just that there's something very discomforting about that 
Yeah. Uh, especially some people just have no, there's no awareness of space and yeah. <laughs> they just get oddly close and it's just like, dude. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Anyway, so back to Utah. Um, I, so we were able to talk to Catherine Armstrong, who is part of the Only in Your State team. She was the Utah writer for many, many years. She lived in Utah. She still has a wealth of knowledge about Utah. Um, And she shared with us a couple of stories that I feel like are worth maybe kicking off this episode. Yeah. Uh, Was there any that, that she mentioned that stuck out to you? So <laughs> there's one, I want to start and talk about the Bear Lake monster, if that's okay. Heck yes. So sad. It's not called Bessie. Um, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> it's fine. But uh, so, but not only the Bear Lake monster, but something connected to that. So I, I, I'm just to start, it's a Loch Ness style monster. It's a creature in Bear Lake, serpentine feet creature, almost 50 feet long. And I like the summary, though, that I found is that it he- its head resembles either a cow, otter, crocodile, or walrus. What? Wow. <laughs> Can't be all those things. <laughs> I'm not sure how they got that. Um, and that it might have legs, but it moves more swiftly through the water. Like, did you read anything about its physical appearance? This bear. I did, okay. and same thing. I think that's why I was like, "Wait, what the heck is this thing?" Because you hear yeah. lake monster, you automatically think it's okay, something resembling the Loch Ness. But the, people are saying it's a large body with short eighteen-inch legs. <laughs> so I'm like immediately thinking of just like a gigantic caterpillar that with like lives in the that <laughs> <laughs> just lives in the lake. It is, and yeah. somebody said it's faster than a locomotive. So I'm like, what is this thing? I love, okay, so I know that they're just using references that we, we might get, but have you, like, how do they know how a locomotive moves in water? Is it actually faster than that? <laughs> like, that's a weird comparison to me, this, like, Very. land speed to sea speed. Um, so I think the official, first official document in sighting I saw was in 1868. Is that, like, ages ago? Um, and it seemed to be something that might have originated with Native American folklore. I wasn't 100% sure um, because I didn't find a specific um, like tribe that might have been associated with it. Did you see yeah. like, what, the, what its origins might be? I, I also okay. saw that it was Native Americans, but it's just that's kind of a, a guess of the origin. So, I mean, I also saw that Brigham Young assign people to go capture the monster why haven't we heard about that and in, in all of these stories about know. you know the, the um the travels of the mormons and stuff let's talk about the sea serpent hunting that's great yes i to me immediately when i when i heard that i was i would have been a part of that team i definitely would have signed up to try and i don't know if i would have trapped the monster per se because i do think you know I would have probably trouble doing that. But if I were on one of the expedition teams, I I would want to see this in person. I would want to know and like be out there, like to see what everyone's talking about. Maybe it's just a thing like every, every large well-known body of water throughout the United States needs its own associated monster. Even if it's not there, we got to just, you know, what about the great lakes? Do we have our own monsters? Probably so. And I feel a little bit silly for asking. Um, (laughs) 
Maybe I shouldn't start one. I have to think of a good name that ends with Essie <laughs> that hasn't been taken yet. Uh, I mean, the things we could do with Photoshop nowadays. Come on. Right? like An AI generation? I mean, yeah. Yeah. It's Ooh. not just like putting a dinosaur on a floating submarine like Loch Ness. You sound a little bit bitter. That's okay. I know you were. <laughs> <laughs> I know you were a little bit disappointed with that one. But, Crushed. Um, so... I got it. So for Lake Erie, if this already isn't a thing, it's going to be messy because I haven't heard of a messy yet. Also, okay. it's playing off of how people call Cleveland the mistake on the lake and that it's a hot oh, mess. But in like wow. a proud of it kind of way. Like it's fine. The river caught on fire and <laughs> messy. All right. We'll circle back nice. to this later. Um, Love it. Not to be confused with the famous soccer star. <laughs> This is instead gonna, a cryptid it's a, monster. It's an IE. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> and I, okay. So in addition to Bear Lake, so there's the monster Bear Lake. So it's a, you know, Loch Ness monster kind of situation. But do you all, did you also see any uh, articles about whales in the Great Salt Lake? No. I'm not sure how, how I went from Bear Lake to this, but I saw, I saw stories about British scientists importing whales from uh, overseas to <laughs> what i don't know how do you even do this imported whales from overseas to america and some of them ended up in the great salt lake but also th- everyone that i've seen on this article was saying that well they couldn't survive in something with such a high salinity like th- salinity. they, would, die. they yeah. would immediately die <laughs> um, right and I don't ha- that's that's all I got. I don't think there's anything really in depth I want to talk about. I'm just amazed that that is okay. Yeah. So okay, C- curious. I'm gonna have to look into this more because I have so many questions. Uh, <laughs> Who was this were there whale sightings? I mean, how did you shoot like, whales? How did they get it from the Pacific to right. the Great Salt Lake? What are they doing? Right. I mean, I've seen. You can't be paying by weight. And that, yeah, right. <laughs> Oof. Okay. Interesting. Um, wow. Okay. So as far as, far as uh, water logged monsters, Utah has quite a few then, if that's... I mean, maybe. Uh, or just two lonely whales that were hanging out in the Great Salt Lake until they couldn't anymore. <laughs> interesting. I do think that, you know, there's something to be said about the fact that even just with oceans nowadays and we're still finding different species. We're mm-hmm. still finding, you know, the deeper we go, we haven't even reached, I'm sure like, Ugh. you know, a fraction yeah. of what's down there. And, you know, I think that's, what's so fascinating, especially when we're talking about these like water-based cryptids is that oh, yeah. it's totally possible that these things existed and maybe had to, you know, go down into the depths of the ocean to survive yeah. what we've, you know, done on this planet, but I think that's just like fascinating that we're still discovering some really crazy uh, species. Absolutely, especially in these like deep sea trenches where you have translucent, bioluminescent creatures doing things we didn't think they could do. Like, I would, I mean, yeah. maybe there aren't whales in the Great Salt Lake. I feel like we would have figured that out by now, <laughs> but you never know. True. Well, uh, yeah, so switching gears to land-based action in Utah. So one of the most famous urban legends that 
is based in Utah is the Petrified Forest. Mm -hmm. So the Escalante Petrified Forest. Um, I heard about it while I was traveling, even before anything uh, with Only in Your State, any articles. And it was, so basically as it goes, there's a state park that features a ton of petrified wood. And it's really beautiful, petrified wood. A lot of it is just like tree trunks that have fallen over. And the wood is millions of years old. So it's just like beautiful. Um, The rings of the trees are still, you can still view them. A lot of the trees are just exactly where they fell. And it's just really beautiful. But the thing is, it's illegal to take pieces of of this wood. It's illegal to take it home. And these are, Uh, not to ask a silly question, but I've only driven past Petrified Forest, never been in it. And the wood is basically stone at this point, right? It's like... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yes. But it's really gorgeous because it it almost resembles like a geode in Mm -hmm. some some aspect because it's it's beautiful different colors and shades and yeah it's not just like your average mulch that you know there's something that people want to take home but unfortunately you can't and or maybe fortunately you can't so that people can go and visit this place still year after year right so but unfortunately as humans do they break the law and they take some of this wood home however bad things started happening to these people that illegally took the petrified wood. And not just like bad things where, you know, you uh, tripped and and broke a tooth, but instead some people have died, lost loved ones. um, And it's ended up becoming such a thing that people have associated this petrified forest and taking the wood with being cursed. And yeah, so it's gotten to the point where the bad luck just it just becomes so overwhelming that people start mailing the petrified wood back to the park, apologizing profusely because they just don't want this string of bad luck anymore. So is there a, and... a ranger on mail duty? I'm like, ah, oh, another one. <laughs> <laughs> like, throw it over I, would, I really would hope by now people would not want to risk that because to yeah. me that that's not worth it. There's no, I, no, I mean, I, why would you want that? Not only are you, uh, you know, taking away from the natural splendor of the place and, you know, slowly destroying it, but also, yeah, uh, if there's a curse involved, I'll leave it. I'll say, yeah, see you later, Wood, and <laughs> I'll come back right. and see you again. Wow. I mean, s- snap a photo, you know, at at least if, if that's what you want to do, but. So I'm going to feel embarrassed again asking this question as a only in your state staffer, but how many petrified forests are out west? Because isn't there a national park site that is the petrified forest? Is, that's not yeah. the one though, right? I don't think so. I okay. think there there are a couple. I want to say maybe one is in Arizona. That's what I was thinking. Because I feel like I was, when you're on that stretch, like going towards the Grand Canyon and you see like the meteor crater and you see the petrified fort. Like, you can, like, take off-roads on your way. Yes. Okay. It is Arizona. Gotcha. So, yeah, petrified – the national park, the petrified okay. forest, is in Arizona. This is the Escalante petrified forest Okay, so this is in the, Utah. So you know it's the curse one because it's almost, like, scary, Escalante. So don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Just remember, in case you need a mnemonic. I love that. Let's turn that into a bumper sticker. Oh, that would be cute, though. Have a little ghost next to the... I got it. 
<laughs> Watch out for ellenyourstate.com bumper stickers. Oh, ooh. By the podcast. Yeah. Cha-ching. Mm-hmm. Love it. Okay, so no taking wood from the petrified forest. Mm-mm. So <clears throat> the other uh, land-based, I guess, haunting that I found, not, not the big one that I wanted to focus on, but one I came across that I was just surprised I kept seeing was about Ogden. Do you know much about Ogden? Um, Probably just like your basics in terms of like religious centralization in Mormonism, right? Oh, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. So maybe this is why. So I read that Ogden is one of the most haunted cities in the United States. Um, and maybe if there was a lot of religious happenings hap- going on there, because those tend to be bloody. I mean, that maybe is why. Because I saw that there is tons of Ogden hauntings tons of ghosts there's a canyon nearby where there's like supposedly a bunch of hauntings as well and like you shouldn't go there but they're not violent hauntings i saw one site paranormal ogden referenced them as non-hollywood style and they're all just very chill (laughs) so like (laughs) you know uh they're playful and mischievous they're gonna tug your hair but not like murder you and steal your soul (laughs) wow Um, okay so I don't know much about it. This is just like a quick aside, but apparently Ogden is one of the most haunted cities in the United States. Uh, Very cool. If you want to get on, I see that there's um, a few tours that go to Ogden. So some bus tours mm-hmm. and you, know, you can also do a walking tour in in Ogden itself. If you want to get some Very cool. ghosties. Yeah. Is it, um, is is there a reason why it is it like very historic or so uh, it was settled okay it was settled by mormon pioneers and the railroad came and it became a crossroad crossroads of the west so i just think it was like one of those hmm. kind of like frontier towns that just had a lot of crime and um you know whenever you put a bunch of people together especially with the religious background i think stuff is gonna happen so yeah Interesting. Interesting yeah. that it's it's it was like a big railroad crossing area because then you're having a ton of people come in and out from from different right states and stuff. Yep. I mean, I would want to say that before modern times, whenever you had huge rail depots, that was probably a spike in crime because people could just like hop on and off. I mean, that's why there's so many long haul right. serial killers that are truckers because just by the way, look it up. <laughs> very terrifying (laughs) um because yeah they can commit the crimes and there's no like real um way to catch them because they're just moving across the country so Mm. interesting um before we get to the the bigger topic for utah speaking of serial killers do we want to talk about ted bundy a little bit yes (laughs) okay cool i mean that segue look at me go (laughs) yeah yeah so ted bundy uh he attended law school at the University of Utah. And um, basically, he already was a serial killer, killed several women in Washington before he moved to Utah in the 19th, early 1970s. And he ended up, he killed a handful of win- women in Utah. The only known victim of Ted Bundy to escape was in Utah. And uh, this was in November, a woman, Carol Deranch, in a uh, mall parking lot. He got her into his car, but apparently the way that he would handcuff 
these women, he didn't do it the way he normally did. She was able to jump out. So she survived, the only known victim of Ted Bundy. She survived. Unfortunately, he then drove to another town 30 minutes north and ended up killing somebody else. Yep. But um, for anybody that didn't know the origins of Ted Bundy and, and a bulk of his killings, it was in Utah. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you recently saw that um, <clears throat> one of the streaming services did some, uh, you know, confessions of a serial killer kind of documentary on Ted Bundy. And the thing that stood out to me, which I've always kind of been like somewhat aware of his story and, you know, I just didn't know the details, but just how many times he just kind of things were just like bungled and he's like, whoop, I'm going to keep killing. So like jumping out of a window at the at the courthouse and just just like scurrying away. I'm like, guys, come on. And then also I think then he escaped from an actual um, holding cell, too. And he just like slipping away and. That yeah. everyone just trusted this guy with like quaffed hair and a turtleneck. Don't do it. Right. <laughs> Question everyone in a turtleneck. <laughs> so, it's absolutely wild to me. Um, yeah, I do think it, it is. It does seem strange. Like just I have a fascination with serial killers and they are for the most part very methodical. Yeah. So it's usually if you are you have somebody you know, as a serial killer, that is like your mark per se, and it and you bungle it, you don't just go and find somebody else to kill. Because for most serial killers, under my understanding, um, it, there's a lot of preparation that goes into like stalking each victim and, you there's know, so like a forth. ritual to it. Yeah. 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 So it just seems so strange that, you know, he's like, well, I didn't get this one. So I'm going to drive 30 minutes and just like, find randomly find somebody else yeah yeah that's i mean and maybe it's i mean that's a whole different story but it's almost to the point where Mm -hmm. they start to get sloppy or they want the attention or like you know like ed kemper style call in and you know say Mm -hmm. hey it was me whoops you guys (laughs) um so yeah anyway um do you have i know we have one main topic for this show or i i did was there any other big focus that you had before we moved on to that no, that was it. Okay, so excited. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and and I don't know if it's because it is just in local, like not local, but um, like pop culture, and I've just seen some documentaries on it, and it just like has that certain je ne sais quoi that creeps me out. But I would love to talk about Skinwalkers and Skinwalker Ranch. So, do you know anything about? either really so i don't purposely so because i remember you mentioned this early on in the season uh i think in like our intro episode and i asked you i was like what the heck is that but i purposely avoided learning about it because i knew we were going to get to this episode and i just want to like react in the moment to all of this great um so skinwalker ranch is this it's very well known in, in, you know, recent times just because there's been a couple of documentaries and some things have been starting to come out. But if you've been in like the sort of like the paranormal community, I think you would have heard of it before. To go back to the namesake, Skinwalkers is, <clears throat> a Skinwalker is something that comes out of indigenous folklore, most more specifically the Navajo. I think also the Ute. Um, so essentially skinwalkers are kind of like 
a transformed person or creature um some people refer to them as witches or similar to or similar to werewolves similar to wendigos and they are malevolent in nature um they are violent and basically uh are seen as either individuals or spirits or witches that perhaps have sinned in their lives or um just you know are are evil and this is what happens to them so there's a lot of like different origin stories um but so for the navajo it was based on uh i'm gonna do my best so there was basically an evil witch that had the ability to change shape or take possession of animals or other people and they are called yinalushi is kind of how you say the original phrase which means um he goes on all fours or with it he goes on all fours so essentially these are these evil creatures that either transform into skinwalkers or become skinwalkers as like a form of punishment and so some accounts describe them as looking like dogs (laughs) some hairy black humanoids having strange limbs over like very spindly limbs especially if they're like taking the form of something so say like a deer a wolf or a human like something looks not quite right and they have are said to have cool red eyes glowing eyes and they have leave large tracks and just basically can um attack and annihilate creatures so like dismember them mutilate them stuff like that so skinwalkers are a tradition not a tradition or like a a a story that happens all over the west and not just on skinwalker ranch so just to be clear it's just like kind of like the going name for this place but there's a lot Mm -hmm. more paranormal activity that happens there so with that being said um it's located in the um uinta basin and it is also known as sherman ranch and also as the ufo ranch because not only are there legends of strange creatures like skinwalkers but sightings of ufos aliens happenstances of like cattle mutilations crop circles witches just all kinds of stuff um and it's a 480 acre ranch so it's huge and it is on the border of a ute reservation i believe too um and i think that some of the stories I, i didn't have a lot of information on this but i think some of the stories that are sort of like a reasoning for why all these bad things are happening at the ranch have to do with disagreements between the Ute and the Navajo tribes or some reservations that are being like pitted against each other, but I wasn't a hundred percent sure. So I didn't want to cite those. Um, but the, the ranch itself was first, first homesteaded by a family, uh, by the Myers family in 1905. And then in the 1930s, um, John Myers and his wife, Edith, were on the property just living their life. They stayed on until 1987. And during that time, the ranch, there wasn't any really stories about um, any sightings or bad things happening. It was just normal ranch homesteader life. But in that time, in the Uinta Basin, there were some sightings of some crazy things happening in like the 1950s. So UFOs were starting to be spotted if that sounds familiar, also in Area 51, when we were talking about Nevada, the 1950s is when when people were starting to see things in the air, too. So you could say, okay, maybe these are the same sort of like stealth bombers and ships and things that they were testing at Area 51, or 
people were maybe just more aware of these things in the sky, and so they kind of all started sight seeing them at the same time. So in this area, the UFO reports like number in the hundreds and thousands. So that includes fireballs in the sky, uh, metal spheres, um, aircraft that range in size from 20 to 30 feet across to as large as a football field. And wow. they are usually round, oval, cigar-shaped, or triangular. And there are some that emit glows or noises. And I don't know if you saw um, the Jordan Peele movie Nope. It wasn't. Mm -hmm. I don't. It wasn't set in Skinwalker Ranch. But when I first saw the the uh, the trailer, I thought it was going to be a Skinwalker Ranch movie. I got so excited. Mm. Like, oh. I mean, but to be honest, it was very close of like the yeah. as far as like the topics go. So. In the 1970s, the Utah Highway Patrol got so many UFO calls at the time that they stopped filling out incident reports. There were just wow. that many. Um, Yikes. So they also were noting that there were a lot of livestock mutilations, which is, to me, one of the creepiest parts. Because usually, whenever you see a natural predator, it's not just, you know, tearing stuff apart and leaving it, you know. Carrion mm -hmm. birds are going to be eating at it or, you know, they're going to be dragging things away so that way they're actually consuming the animal rather than just, you know, putting them into, like, little tiny lumps of gel gelatinous mass. So mm -hmm. as this – so as the ranch goes forward in time, um, the Myers left the ranch in 1987 and then the Shermans purchased it in 1994. So it's more well-known as the Sherman Ranch and not so much the Myers because after this point – is when all of the creepy stuff really started to get reported. But whenever the Shermans moved in, even though there weren't reports before this, they were shocked to discover that the previous owners had placed deadbolt locks on all of the doors and windows, including those inside the house. Even the kitchen cabinets had bolts on them. And at the end of the house, iron stakes and heavy chains had been installed, which the Shermans guessed were used by the previous tenants for large guard dogs. <laughs> so... Whoa. There weren't any reports, but as soon as these people move in, it's like, what the hell was going on? Wow. Yeah. So as almost like the, as soon as they took possession of the ranch, the family started having some strange occurrences. So a large coyote or wolf was in their pastures and it grabbed a calf by the nose and was trying to drag it through its bars. They beat the animal to make it release the calf, but they were unsuccessful. And then when that failed, the Sherman father shot the animal with a magnum point blank, but the wolf still held onto the calf. And then he shot it again. It released the cow and just looked at the men. And then it, after being <laughs> shot a few more times, it just walked off. So what? not damaged, shot by a magnum point blank, still was trying to eat the livestock, then just walked away. So either wow. the guy's a terrible shot. <laughs> <laughs> And just lied about it or something strange was happening with whatever was trying to attack their livestock. Hmm. So this is the kind of stuff that started to happen at the ranch and continue to happen. So livestock mutilation, like strange holes in the cows, cows dropping dead. Um, I think even like radioactive, radioactive signatures on cows that just are dead in a field and they were healthy the day before. Um, there was also strange lights, flying objects, and deaths or disappearances of livestock as well, and ones that they couldn't verify of what happened to them or why. So one thing I thought that was interesting 
that I don't know if you ever heard of like the trumpets. Like people call it like the trumpets of like the apocalypse or like um mm. like the DARPA stuff too, like the the loud noises you hear in the sky that sounds like trumpets. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um on the ranch, on the Sherman Ranch, you can also hear that kind of loud noise or machinery and people have, you know, blamed it on like strange government experiments or UFOs, something like that. But you can hear in the middle of nowhere large pieces of machinery just working and people weren't sure what was going on. Weird. Um, yeah. And then how this evolved, and I think how it even got more um, more and more popular in like the public eye. So obviously throughout time, there's been some creepy things happening. So Navajo and stories about skinwalkers in the area and like all of these like deranged witches and werewolves and things like that, just like mutilating crops or mutilating cattle and things like that. People bought the ranch and sold it people moved in they would discover all of these strange things left behind by the previous tenants so all of the locks and things and then while the shermans owned it it was just evidence 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 of like strange things going on so mm. then someone by the name of robert bigelow a millionaire who believed in ufology and was like like a hundred percent believer bought this place and then was he said he found the national institute for discovery science so very much seems like he wanted to see what was going on he wanted to do some research Mm -hmm. so then he started investigating and was like inviting out scientists investigators was guarding the property 24 hours a day you couldn't get onto it so it was one of those things that it that sort of official investigation made it seem even creepier right like Mm -hmm. if the people are giving that much credence to it and this dude is buying it for $200,000, ha- made the previous tenants, the Shermans, sign a non-disclosure agreement. So that means they wow. could not talk about it anymore. Feels like something's going on. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then, um, so as that went on, they spent millions of dollars on these various programs he developed. Just so also the Bigelow Aerospace Advanced Space Studies and then the aviation threat identification program and that one in particular the aatip was allegedly funded by the united states defense department i'm not sure how Hmm. how much truth there is to that because i've seen Hmm. that around whenever i was doing research on this but i'm not i didn't see any like news program announcing that so basically these shadow programs were funded with millions of dollars to research what was going on on Skinwalker Ranch. And I don't know if it's just because some millionaire had money and had like friends in politics and was able to establish all of these big things, but the Department of Defense never acknowledged the program. The study remains classified, but there are reports of the department admitting that some programs were shut down in 2012 but they weren't referring they didn't know what they were referring to like there's no Hmm. like clear declaration then the ranch was sold to something called adamantium holdings for 4.5 million in 2016 so bigelow's company security team 24-hour surveillance disbanded but was immediately replaced by someone else So then in 2020, Brandon Fugel, a Utah real estate mogul, announced that he was the owner and the owner of Adamantium Holdings. 
and that the History Channel would be recording a TV show on the property called The Secret of, Sk- Secret of Skinwalker Ranch, which is the one I saw. And mm. it's definitely interesting, but it's one of those things where there's such history to it that I feel like any modern telling doesn't cover everything. Like you want to go mm. back and see all of these different stories all together, and that's what makes it even creepier to me because it's such a large yeah. property – there are so many stories. Like, even to me, like this is more interesting than, say, Area 51. Because right. we know that, oh, God, who was it? Eisenhower? For, <laughs> maybe? A president. <laughs> a, a president established Area 51 as like a military base for a certain program. But this, just like Shadow Company over, you know, uh, Shell Company over Shell Company, just buying this place. And not really ever declaring what's going on is just very, very interesting to me. Um, yeah. I feel like I just saw something, too. Maybe it was on Netflix, uh, another documentary. Mm-hmm. Have there been multiple? Yeah. Because I feel like, okay, I didn't watch it, but now I'm very interested in watching it. It was, uh, I just saw like a quick glimpse and they were doing a flyover from a helicopter and recording. Um, yeah. But yeah. Interesting. So- because it, there's been so so many consistent reports of things going on on Skinwalker Ranch, um, there a lot of people have theories on all like what's going on. So one, people are lying; they know that mm. it's like a cash cow, so they're lying to get money and filming these shows, whatever. Two, mm. there are UFOs and extraterrestrial visitors. Three, there are interdimensional visitors. Four, mm. and maybe my favorite because I just love the reality of it is that. There could be geophysical processes or some sort of like magnetic field that's just causing like brain damage and people to hallucinate. Like, mm. I mean, that's, I don't want to say that things don't exist, but it would be wild to be like, oh, yeah, nothing's happening here. It's just that the land's literally making people crazy. Like, <laughs> mm, interesting. Yeah. It's, huh. And to me, I, something like a skinwalker, I don't know if you've ever, use like a, just go on like youtube or go on tiktok and stuff like that if you search skinwalker you'll see people kind of similar to like that appalachian um no you don't rolls they'll be filming mm. something and it looks like a deer but then as it moves it's not moving like a deer or it doesn't have the right shaped head and that's how people can tell something's a skinwalker because it's imitating whatever you know like a deer or a wolf or a human but it's not real so, like, you'll see these strange things if you're walking your dog at night and you see something in the distance that you think looks like a dog, but it's not moving right. They say, oh, that's a skinwalker. Get the, you know, F out of there. Mm. So. Wow. I'm going to have to do a deep dive on this because I don't know I if know. I've ever, like, seen any of these videos or anything. It's one of those topics that I know I just rambled for a good 20 minutes on it. But I feel like I also didn't cover anything. <laughs> There's like just so much, you know? Yeah. Well, it sounds like it because you're also talking about two completely different things in terms of a, ra- a whole homestead yeah. of like Bermuda Triangle-esque activity yeah. in terms of like creepy cryptid stuff. And then actual, you know, physical cryptids or, you know, these these beings that mm-hmm. I those are two separate things, in my opinion, that... Yeah, you or know. maybe does it just attract skinwalkers for some reason? Yeah. Huh. What, so if you had to guess, you gave a couple of, like, reasoning or, like, you know, I guess maybe some potential ideas of why Skinwalker Ranch is, is what it is. If you had to lean towards one, personally, what do you think? 
Oh man, I don't. <laughs> That's hard. Uh, okay. okay, I'm gonna give two answers. I'm gonna give suspension of disbelief, okay. Sarah, and then like, okay, what's really happening? So, suspension of disbelief. Let's say that this land has been somewhat cursed or bloodied because of maybe like all there's like a bunch of disputes between the Navajo and Ute, maybe because of the bloody history of colonizers interacting with indigenous peoples and maybe there's just a lot of big bad things that happen in the area and there's a lot of let's say these skinwalkers and malevolent spirits maybe that's true and there's just like an overlap of being able to see extraterrestrial evidence and ufos because you're in the middle of the desert and that's where there's so little light pollution that you can just see this stuff so maybe there's just a natural overlap of like yeah both of these things exist and it just so happens mm -hmm. that you're kind of like seeing both at once. That's one side of me. But the other is like, well, it has built up such steam as a urban legend. Yeah. I think it just has a life of its own. And that's why it's so mm -hmm. popular. Um, and it just has that little something that just, I don't know. It's like something I would want to tell around a campfire you know i wonder if we have any uh skinwalker content on only in your state if there's anything that we've talked i know we have a couple of different uh we're gonna drop the links for the utah lake monsters and utah urban legends um there's a lot yep. going on in utah in terms that we didn't even we didn't even cover but yeah but yeah we'll drop those links so people can read all about it and if we come across any skinwalker content we could drop that too because now i now i just want to like spend the rest of my afternoon looking at videos of you know skinwalkers caught on camera which is just going to creep me out even more <laughs> okay i do i i was looking on only near state we do have some things about skinwalkers cool. maybe a bit of wendigo stuff because i i think it's just like such a part of the yeah. lore especially out west so okay yeah we'll drop those links in the in the show notes for everyone and uh yeah so utah wow what a discussion i feel like that's a lot and we like barely brushed the surface mm -hmm. uh but yeah we, so we ha i think we have a couple more states that we're featuring for the rest of the season um and then we're gonna switch gears but uh yeah so stay tuned everybody for uh to wrap up this local lore and legend season <laughs> If you're up for an audio adventure, we will be exploring local lores and legends in the U.S. on Season 2 of Not Your Average Bucket List, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. So make sure to like, subscribe, and join us. Only in Your State is an award-winning travel publisher that uncovers hidden gems and local favorites across the U.S. We have a presence in all 50 states with a passionate following of fellow travelers looking to get out and explore. Head on over to onlyinyourstate.com to find the best attractions in your backyard and beyond.